Trades. I have trades. Trades to talk about. Trades to talk about in real time. We're going to be doing that next. A multi-part extravaganza with Ryan Rosillo and many others. Stay tuned. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find our new podcast, The Ringerverse, which reacts to superhero culture, nude, nerd culture, um, nude, not nude culture. Nude culture would be an interesting podcast. We got to think about that. But uh, Mallory Rubin, Van Lathan, Charles Holmes, a whole cast of Ringer people there to react to superhero culture in the moment as these shows and movies keep popping out. Coming up, we're going to try something that I don't think we've tried before. So we started taping this about an hour plus before the trade deadline. We're breaking this up into multi-parts, putting them up as we go along. Uh, we'll do three parts, maybe four. We'll see how it goes. This is going to be part one. This is me, Ryan Russell, Kevin Clark, reacting to all of Orlando Magic's moves today. We're taping this in real time. It's all next. First, Pearl Jam! <laughs> All right, we are taping part one of the massive trade deadline podcast. It is 10.43 Pacific time. Ryan Rosillo is here. I have Rosillo trapped in some room in Manhattan Beach. He's going to be here for the next four to nine hours doing podcasts with us. We're going to have some special guests. I can't think of a better person to have on, if only because he's one of only two people I know who like the Orlando Magic. Kevin Clark from The Ringer. He hosts The Ringer NFL show. More importantly... He is a diehard Magic fan. And by diehard, I mean, he's mostly dying. It's it's actually yep. like having um, some sort of NBA disease. Kevin, good news. Orlando has ushered in another rebuilding project. Has this happened you gotta before? Clear out, you got to clear out the old rebuild, the old failed rebuild to start the new failed rebuild. I think it's a heady place. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think they had it in them. I thought there was going to be a soft rebuild. Soft rebuilds never work. Now we do the hard rebuild um, to trade what amounts to the three best players. It's a complicated legacy. Listen to some of the Magic bloggers last night saying they defined an era. Well, it was two what playoff era? wins. Yeah, what an era. Two playoff wins over you know, over eight years. Um, I would say... It's a, it's, you know, listen, Vooch played hard every night. He was a warrior. He didn't ask to be on a crappy team. He didn't ask to be the best player on a crappy team. Um, but I, I did not expect any of this. Uh, no more half measures. This is, uh, this is it. They're blowing it up in Orlando. Rosillo, can you have a rebuild when you are already in a rebuild? How does that work? You did construction <laughs> once upon a time. Can you have construction on a house that you already tore down and you were doing construction on? I don't get it. Yeah, I'll admit the permitting for that's usually a little more complicated. 
you know, because you got to worry about people around you. But I think Orlando has been a team. Well, I, I know they've been a team that other teams have been frustrated dealing with for a long time. I was talking to a team last night and I was like, hey, you know, what do you think about Gordon? You know, just kind of asking everybody. And they're like, we've been talking to Aaron Gordon. We've been talking to Orlando about Gordon for three years. So the Vooch trade is surprising I think if you look at kind of what the conversations were around him where Orlando really liked him um they're like look you know the 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 sense was you know they'll probably move Fournier because he's expiring once Gordon asked to be out then that put more of an emphasis on that deal but there was a thought that hey get Isaac back healthy get Fultz back healthy they've got an all-star center in Vooch who's had really probably his career year this year and then see where the draft pick is and, you know, we, we have a really good chance in the East of being in the top eight and now top 10. But the draft price on this is so significant that I think it changes everything. So I still think Fournier's gone today. I think Aaron Gordon's gone today because so many different teams were in on him bidding on it. We'll get to that part of it. But to trade two top four protected picks at 21 and then 23, yeah. and then Wendell Carter, who turns 22 next month, who you still hold out hope for, which I know is a pretty dangerous game and usually a disappointing game in trading for former lottery picks. So I think the other pieces are going to happen, but the Vooch part of this is surprising. But that's a pretty significant price, even though I still like it for Chicago. Kevin, I thought I thought you got 110 cents on the dollar for Vooch. Thought you got 45 cents on the dollar yeah. for Gordon. Here are the trades for the people who are have trapped under a rock and don't have Twitter or in the internet. Vucevic and Aminu to Chicago for Carter. Otto Porter's expiring in two firsts. And those were, as Rosillo said, two top four protected this year in 2023. Then they trade Gordon for Gary Harris, who expires next year. RJ Hampton, who's uh, I think only 19 and a 2025 first. Not great. Then they trade Fournier for two seconds, which they get a $17 million uh, trade exception out. But with, with the Vucevic thing, I really liked Wendell Carter. It felt like a classic high pedigree guy on the wrong team. I'd like to see him just in a rebuilding situation, getting some reps, stuff like that. Kevin, uh, you better sit down or you're already sitting down. Good. I'm sitting down. Um, I just want to point out, you could have drafted him. You, you, Mo Bamba won spot ahead of him, and now you have both. So uh, there's a lot to unpack with regards to this. I mean, I, when you talk about the, the, the 110 cents on the dollar versus 45 cents on the dollar with Gordon, I mean, that's the difference between not wanting to give up a guy and a guy who demanded a trade. Like that, that's just kind of simple economics. I would say that, first of all, getting a big return in totality is a big deal here. I mean, these are, at the end of the day, the three best healthy offensive players on a team that have not since the, the Dwight trade been in the top 20 in offensive rating. Okay. It's usually around 22 to 25 to 27 in offensive rating in the NBA. That's not very good. Okay. Um, so I think that the idea that we just got assets today is really important. I'm talking about picks and I don't, I don't even necessarily good picks. Good picks, but I mean the Gordon. It's the Gordon's a twenty twenty five. Like it, it's a little. No, bit but the two Chicago away. picks. Oh were, no, the two Chicago picks real are great. picks. Yeah, yeah, but that's why they did the trade. It's because they were blown away by it. As Rosillo said, they didn't want to necessarily part with Vooch. It was that they were blown away by it. So I agree with you. I really like that trade. It's it's the perfect thing to start our rebuild. From my perspective, you know, I was looking at it and listen. I've done a million podcasts with you where we've talked about this. I've done a, other other NBA podcasts. Bad luck in the lottery is the reason we're in this position, right? Uh, Aaron Gordon was taken one pick after uh, Embiid, right? Um, the year we did get some lottery luck, we were number two overall. It was the Anthony Bennett draft. We got Oladipo. Um, the fifth pick was Hazonia, into, yeah. to Mario Hazonia. Exactly. Mo Bamba was one spot behind Trey Young. 
Uh, we were always on the outside looking in at these situations. And there are a couple, as you said, a couple of spots where we could have just gotten a Wendell Carter or whatever instead of a Bamba. But I think that the true superstars were always a little bit out of reach. We go back to that well. We try again, do another four years of lottery basketball and see what happens. Rosillo, as you know, I'm a big basketball reference. Look at the totality of the career guy and look for like up and down trends. I think you could make a case. They sold about as high as you can possibly sell on Vooch mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. 30 years old, he's in his 10th season. Um, the previous five seasons, he's basically between 20 points and 15 points a game. And he had his peak year this year. He was basically 25 and 12. He's shooting threes over 40% for the first time in his career and was just kind of peaking this year. And they cashed in the best possible way they could. I really like those picks. Like they're getting Chicago's first round pick. If you look at the standings, it's more likely Chicago is like the 12th seed than the fifth seed. Um, do you think they sold at the perfect time for Vooch or would you have hold on, held on to him? No, I, I really think this is about as, as well as you're going to do. Um, yeah. You know, I, again, I liked Wendell Carter at Duke. I thought he did really smart things. Uh, the Horford comps weren't terrible. I didn't like him as much as Horford coming out, but there were these, the things I always call those in-between things that you do on a basketball court that are really smart, but he's always been an apprehensive offensive player where you're like, I just like to see a little bit more aggressiveness out of you. So if you're banking on him all of a sudden becoming more aggressive, you know, we probably play that game too often. We're like, hey, this guy that hasn't been aggressive for three years, even going back to college, now he's going to be really aggressive. Um, that usually doesn't necessarily work out, but it's still... Um, somebody, you know, you know how lottery picks work. I mean, hell, you know this down in Orlando. The fact that you could get a lottery pick for Darko because he would already been taken number two. You know, if you look yeah. at history of like, hey, well, they took him high, so maybe we can still give you something for this player. Um, where on the other side of it, I think they got Fultz at a decent rate. So the Carter part of it is still something to hold on to, although I don't know what the end game of that is going to be, although he shot it better this year for him. But to get two top four protected, and when you look around at, at how, how picks are moved, and they're moved more now than ever before, but a lot of these still have massive protections on them. So, you know, Vooch was finishing 30% of Orlando's offensive possessions this year yeah. for a career high, and yet it was arguably his best season. And, you know, statistically, if you look at some of the metrics, it's either this season or a couple seasons ago. But the three-point shooting, the rebounding, when, I mean, the only time Vooch has ever played with an all-star is Iguodala in his rookie season. Wow. So just him with Zach Levine, even if you don't love Levine, but I think you have to come around. I've had to come around on him a little bit. I mean, his shot-making alone, he's far more efficient. Decision-making is always going to be a little questionable, but it's far better than it used to be when he was younger. The pick-and-pop combination for them, I love. And I'd add this last bit of it, too. For Chicago fans that are maybe a little scared about the picks, because in 2023, I mean, you don't know. Yeah, this could come back to haunt you. Absolutely, right? And that's what a lot of these GMs are doing right now. Just, I don't care. Pick, pick, picks. Give me a million picks. I looked at it the other day. Oklahoma City now, including this, has 34 picks over the next seven years. <laughs> right? Um, I give credit to Chicago for saying, hey, you want to just be better? Do you want to add an all-star? We can play this game that Beal's going to come there. Not happening. You can wait for the next superstar. But unless you have other players in position that are better than Levine and Kobe White and Patrick Williams, then the other star isn't going to want to come there. So I give credit to Chicago for saying it just makes us better. He's on the right side of 30. He's an all-star this year. And yeah, it was a hefty price. But guess what? We're a more serious playoff contender today than we were yesterday. And I don't know that there's enough teams that ever do that. So... Now it's 10.52 p.m. We don't know if they're going to trade marketing. I like Chicago this whole year. I thought they were frisky. And I was just thinking in the context of the Celtics where I would watch the Celtics and I would watch the Bulls and I would be like, 
Not sure there's really a difference between these two teams from a talent standpoint. They're top six now. Vucevic, Thad Young, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, the uh, 19-year-old perimeter stud who we've seen guard every type of forward already this year. And I, I think he's really good. Kobe White, Markinen, and then they have the Valentine Temple Sadoransky to fill out the nine-man rotation. They're 19 and 24 in the East right now. They're two and a half games out of the fifth spot. But the, the thing that really strikes me is I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. They're going to be able to run a lot of stuff through Levine and Vucevic. Kevin, who is the best offensive player Vucevic played with in Orlando? Was it Fournier? Probably was, right? Um, yeah, some combination of that. I mean, they had, or I think he played with JJ Redick early on. Um, so I mean, think how grim that, that is. Some, yeah. No, <laughs> no, he definitely played with JJ Redick early on. Uh, Tobias Harris would be involved in that. Lavoy uh, Allen in Philadelphia. Victor, <laughs> Victor Oladipo, depending on how you view the Victor Oladipo era. Yeah, that was pretty um, early Oladipo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I, I, I disliked Vooch for large portions of his tenure early on because he plays a style of basketball that you basically have to tailor the half court offense towards him, right? And I kind of feel like, kind of like we're talking about with, with Levine or whatever. He's the perfect guy to fit into a system and play with with, a, with another star and just see how he adapts. You know, I, I was looking at this roster last night and I was just thinking about the fact that this is the perfect roster to play with this a superstar, the, the magic one. The superstar just never came. That come, some, some of that comes to the lottery luck and all that stuff. Um, but I, I just, I really like Vooch's skill set. Um, like the, the fact that Kevin Durant loves Vooch uh, has become part of sort of magic fan lore. Um, but I really, think how he, sad he, is that? He can, no, I, I, I really, truly, like people talk about that tweet all the time. He's so fun to watch. I just feel like this was a, a kind of an island of misfit toys of guys who can play great roles. I, I, we, so when I talked about this last night, Aaron Gordon should be the best fourth option in the league. Like that's his destiny. He should not be a centerpiece of a franchise. Vooch is the same way. If he's the best player in your team, you're doing something wrong, but he can be the best third option in the league. Something like that. These guys have really good, with the exception of Fournier, who can take or leave, uh, both Gordon and, and Vooch have, have better days ahead of them. And I think they fit well in, in, their, in the, the teams they're going to. You're going to love this, Rosillo. This, this extends the impact of a guy named Dwight Howard on the Orlando yes. Magic franchise because they do that August 10, 2012. They do that massive four-player trade. It's Denver, Orlando, Philly, and the Lakers. And remember, the, the Lakers sent Bynum to Philly. They're getting Dwight Howard. Everybody freaks out. Denver, I think, got a Flalo and... Or maybe Orlando. Orlando ended up with a flaw. Orlando uh, ended up with a flaw. Harrington and, and, and Vucevic. Flipped, yeah, Denver got Iguodala. And then we flipped a flaw for Fournier a couple years later, and then a flaw came back. A flaw is right. Kyle Van Noy. He just Orlando, he got traded and look, then came back. I had so Vooch had, on so the pod. Go, let oh, me just, just let's throw this in there. I had Vooch on the pod, and I've, I've joked about this. When they had a flaw, I thought Orlando Sneaky won the trade. Like, if you were yeah. to handicap yeah. who came in last in this trade at the time, when it's Bynum, when it's Howard, when it's Iguodala, you're like, all right, well, Orlando got screwed because their guy wanted out of there. They've probably won that trade twice over. I remember doing a mailbag maybe two years after. Who was the GM that we always made fun of that Orlando had at that point? Otis? John. Uh, no, no, Rob John. Hannigan. Rob Hannigan. Who, Wise who Brod, made, we've had a lot of bad gyms. Wisebrod was the hockey guy who traded T-Mac. Hennigan right, right. was the guy. Was <laughs> Hennigan, by the That's way, right. we ended the Hennigan era today. We, we're, we're burying the football. It's over. But I felt like they, two years into that trade, you're like, wow. They, they won that Dwight Howard trade. The, the odds yeah. of that were like 15 to 1 when it happened. And now you think they get all that Vucevic and he really turns into an asset for them. 
they get one, two, three, they get eight years of Vucevic and then spin him into Wendell Carter, who might be on the team for 10 years and these two first round picks. And I'm with Rosillo. The pick, this pick this year is not as dangerous because I think Chicago is going to be good. They're not going to be a top five worst team. 2023 gets a little dangerous. You just never know. That, 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 that's the rub. But they really wanted him. I don't think there's another path for them to get a massive free agent. So this is, this is how you do it. And then I think if I'm Chicago, the only thing I'm scared about is that I sell too low on Wendell Carter, who was injured the first two years. It never felt like he was the right fit on that team. And, you know, he never had the point guard to kind of take care of him. There is some stuff to like, though. I mean, the guy does put up stats. He rebounds. It's not like he's out there just kind of running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I, I don't mind him. I'm, I'm a fan. So now you could have him and Bamba. Twin Towers, Kev? I love it. I love it. it, it this will, and I'll say this, whether that's Kevin O'Connor or other people, this ends the Bamba excuse train. Like either he oh, can play or he can't play. I didn't know there was a Bamba excuse train. Who's, who's the conductor? <laughs> uh, it <laughs> might be. It might be Kevin, our good friend, Kevin O'Connor. Because oh, every still... time I try to give up, every time, I mean, listen, the last couple of weeks, every time I try to give up on him, O'Connor just defends him. And I, I think he can be a player somewhere. I just, again, we've gone over this before. If everything Europe. has to be perfect, yeah. if, <laughs> if everything has to be perfect for you to be, to shine, maybe, uh, maybe you're not worth the fifth pick in the draft. I was hoping uh, you were going to get Bull Bull to do a Bamba Bull Bull kind of Twin Towers thingy that just, People would have liked on paper unless you actually watched it. Would have been fun. They offered, by the way, they offered Bull Bull and then um, Orlando pushed back on it and ended up, they were like, it's RJ on the Gordon deal. Let's, I want to, I want to talk about the Gordon deal. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about the Aaron Gordon deal, which is a completely different deal than the Vucevic deal. This episode is brought to you by Peloton Spring the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just You're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, Full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, it is now almost 11 o'clock. Trade deadline will expire in about an hour. I haven't seen Rosillo this intense in a long time, maybe since we did the town rewatchables. There's just a lot going on. <laughs> a lot of trades coming up. Uh, Aaron Gordon, it it felt this, I mean, there was, I, I think this has been some of the worst misinformation we've had in the week leading to the trade deadline. There was a, a rumor the Celts were going to give up Marcus Smart and picks for Aaron <laughs> Gordon. Like, it's like, what's going on? <laughs> These trades are never happening in any, any universe, but... They end up getting, uh, you know, basically RJ Hampton. They roll the dice with Harris for a year and a 2025 protected first. Um, Rosillo, 45 cents in the dollar, 40 cents, 60 cents. Where do you land on this? Aaron Gordon became the most overrated player in the league in like 48 hours. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that. 
there's a version of him that exists that we all think is going to be like awesome playing the four, running around with smaller lineups. And actually, Denver is probably one of the three best teams for him, considering you get to just cut off of all these Jokic possessions. Yeah. So it could it, there could be nights where it really, really works out. But, you know, for the Celtics part of it, even though I'm not in love with Smart and we saw two enormous missed threes again this week, mm. uh, I don't Thanks. know what the Celtics were going to do if they move smart, considering the Kemba situation. And then it's like, okay, so what are you going to have Peyton Pritchard start for you and you're trying to make this playoff seeding run? I mean, even a playoff run at this point. So if you're even if you're not in love with smart, you have to understand that that some of the toughness that he brings, although at times frustrating, I, I never really quite understood, even though I think the Celtics would trade smart, why the Gordon deal was going to make that much sense, considering Gordon isn't exactly a guy that solves all your problems. So, well, and can't shoot threes. I mean, I know he's 37% this year, but career, he's 32%. And he's I don't feel too. like people want to guard him. They don't care about guarding him in the last five minutes of an important game, I don't think. Kevin, you can take this one over because the numbers are pretty staggering, how different they are on catch and shoot versus yeah. him creating his own offense. Like, I think the catch and shoot numbers are really good. Yes. Uh, I hope it doesn't get in the way of some of the Michael Porter Jr. possessions where he's in the corner, but then, you know, gets pass up fake slashes and that kind of stuff. Or maybe they just throw all three of those guys out there at the same time. You know, Malone can experiment with it a little bit. But I think if you really are locked into Gordon, like Kevin is, or people that watch the Magic all the time, I, I just felt like this week, I'm like, does, does that, the other fan base, do the other fan bases that are clamoring for Gordon truly know what they're getting? And the, the answer is probably no. And if he's left to his own devices to create pick and roll ball handling getting a shot it's actually not that great and i think with denver and joker it's going to be limited how much he's had to do any of that stuff anyway yeah i think gordon has suffered from being on a team that desperately needed a superstar because he tried to be that and he tried to create the, his own offense as you said didn't necessarily work he was best when he was just cutting to the basket uh he was best doing the this the spot up threes um and and i think that he's developed a, a three point shot uh really admirably over the past couple of years there was a year i think it was 3 years ago where he basically for the first half of the season was one of the best uh shooting forwards in, in basketball um the numbers were insane he regressed a lot in the second half um but i i think that there's a lot there i think that again in the right system, this all works where he's not asked to do too much. Gordon is one of the players, and I've seen this a handful of times over the past eight years, where the fact that 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 we had a hole there and the fact that there could be a guy who wanted to play hero ball uh, worked his detriment. I think playing for a contender like this, it works out. He can just, as you said, uh, take advantage of those possessions. I'm, I'm in on this fit for Denver. You know, you just think of it this way. I don't think they gave up a lot. And basically, you're substituting him for the Paul Millsap minutes, right? Or most yeah. of them, especially at the end of the game. And is Aaron Gordon better than Paul Millsap at this stage of his career? Yeah. Um, will he be a better three-point shooter if all he's doing is doing catch-and-shoot stuff? Sure. Will it be really fun for him to be on a true contender? Yeah. Um, is that somebody that would be fun with Jokic, especially with all the shit Jokic can create for other guys and somebody who's just can kind of be this sneaky, a little like how Philly uses Ben Simmons, where he's kind of just sneaking around and he's on the baseline and doing, and Jokic, I think, could make him a better player. I thought this was a steal for Denver. Whether Gordon is a great player or not, the price wasn't that bad. He's no. only under contract till next year. Um, I think he's flippable. You could, if it doesn't work out this year, you can flip him this summer and try to get a different asset. He's got a very tradable contract. And to me, it's like, if I'm Denver, why wouldn't you do this? Push you get out of Gary Harris's contract. 
That's who, the, who's that's been the a big stiff one. for two right. years. Now, you nailed it on that. I mean, the fact that you're off of Gary Harris's $20 million and you're adding somebody who's playing. I mean, Gary Harris, when he plays, because if you look at four of the last five seasons, 57 games, 57 games, 56 games, 19 games this year, the most he's played in a season was 67 games in 17 and 18, where he actually averaged about 17 a game. But his last three years is between 32 and 34% from three. The Gary Harris thing was just, you know, he's... It's funny how when you look at younger players and they get a bunch of opportunities, they get the minutes, they get the right minutes, people are trying to set them up offensively, and you'll see almost a weird spike. Like, Do you remember Kevin Knox? I don't know if everybody remembers him. Uh, he's, he's still on the Knicks. But he averaged like 13 a game his rookie year, and you just start going, man, in a couple of years, he'll get like 17. It's like, no, actually, that team was terrible, and they wanted to see what they had, so he put up some numbers. So, look, Gary Harris, it's not the same as Kevin Knox. Denver's certainly been better than the Knicks have been, so I'm not saying it's the same comp. But he wasn't really giving you that much, and you didn't really know how much you could even rely on him. And to get off the $20 million number on top of that makes this trade feel like, wait, Orlando, like could they have done better? You know, I don't I don't know. I mean, I know what some of the other offers were out there. Portland didn't really seem like a great match. The Boston part we've been over. Um and nobody know, Houston's, else was, Houston's nobody else desperate to get off the Oladipo thing. I don't know if it's gonna happen here as we, we count down the time here. So you know, there was even a rumor that Oladipo was done to to Orlando. And then I talked to somebody who was like, Yeah, that's 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 not even close to being true. And that was in the beginning of the week. So I, you know, you always have to wonder what the market was for somebody like this. And I think the NBA maybe had a better sense of what the market or who Gordon was as a player than maybe those on the outside that, you know, all the fan bases that were desperate to get him. I agree. I would say from the Magic perspective, part of this was shaded by the fact that Gordon had been so hyped up the past three years that the trade offers that were rumored about him ended up being significantly unrealistic, right? Like Jonathan Sharks, I just looked this up because I wanted to make sure it was real, in 2019 wrote a column called CJ McCollum for Aaron Gordon who says no. Right. So that's what we were dealing with two years ago. And now we're dealing with taking Gary Harris at $20 million and a 2025 pick. Uh, Portland, so the, the, Portland I, likely said no to that two years ago. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm but just that, saying I'm just saying the content was out there. It was yeah, out there. Well, fair. the thing yeah. with the thing with Aaron Gordon that I always thought added to his trade value and made a piece like that realistic is he's still really young. He's 25 years old. Yeah. I would have guessed he was like 28. 29, but he can't, he must have come in the league when he was 15 years old. He's seven years into the league and he's still only 25. And I think he's one of those guys that's like in fantasy football when you have a fantasy draft and you just fall in love with some receiver that hasn't really done it yet, but you think he's going to do it. And all of a sudden the guy's going for $32 in your fantasy draft. And meanwhile, he had like, you know, 28 catches the year before. Gordon was like the version of that in the NBA where it was like people were projecting what they thought he was going to be as like this fixed value for him. And you look at his stats, he's been in the league, this is year seven, his career stats, 13 points a game, 6.4 rebounds, 44% shooter, 32% from three, playing a lot of minutes. You know, and it's like, I, I'm pretty sure I can get a 14 and seven from most of the guys at that position in this league, except for semi Ojale. So the question for me is, can Jokic make him better? Can being on a contender make him better? Is there another level for him to go to? And I actually would argue that there is, but I can also understand why teams are hesitant to give up the farm for him. So that's well, Denver, look, Denver's, we've already been over it, but I mean, him going to Denver is perfect for him. So okay. I don't know if that he morphs into a completely different player, but if the opportunity is going to be, like what Jokic does at the end of games is 
I mean, we all know how special he is, and he's mentioned as an MVP favorite and all this stuff, but there are nights where I watch him where I still go, just appreciate how stupid this is. Yeah. Because it seems like he could work you in the post whenever he wants, but he doesn't. It seems like he could shoot more threes, but he doesn't. It seems like, and, and you realize like some of the great players are the guys that are kind of calculating all of it in their head of, is this the best? Like, hey, I could probably make this happen, but can I wait for something else? Can I drag out the possession a couple more seconds to maybe get us an even better look? And he has mastered that. So all Gordon has to do is stay alive in the play. It's a lot like playing with Steph. You know, just stay alive, stay alive, keep moving, keep moving. And if Gordon, who you would think would be so engaged after seven years in Orlando, like this is a home run for him. I think it's probably one of the best landing spots that was realistic for him. So I may not love him. You know, I'm tempering it a bit here, but you're right. This is this is a perfect basketball situation because because Joker's one of the five guys that just makes your life easier playing in the league. Yeah, if he's good, there's no more excuses. They, he should be really good on this team. This team needs somebody like him. We always talked about how Curry and Tyreek Hill are a little similar with Curry, even when he doesn't have the ball, the space he creates and the panic that the yeah. defense has just when he's moving around. And I think Jokic is a little bit like that when he has the ball. He's out of anyone we have in the league right now, other than maybe LeBron. When he has the ball at the top of the key, especially late, all five guys are so locked into, oh shit, what, uh, uh, watch, uh, back cut. And, and he just has everybody kind of in the palm of his hand. I think it would be fun to watch Gordon play with a guy like that. All right, Kev. And Harden, um, by the way. We've got to throw Harden in there, top of the key. Everybody freaked out. Yeah, you're right. I always begrudgingly want to give Harden compliments. I try to find times to be fair about it because it's no, what he's doing right. right now is is incredible. You're right. You know. Kev, I've had some he, NBA players compare Harden to Lamar Jackson. NFL players, excuse me, Lamar Jackson. In the oh. same way that just like guys are always on tilt when he has the ball. And then beyond that, it's the deceleration. That's that's the thing. It's it's the acceleration and the deceleration. That's mm. Harden and Lamar Jackson. That's what I've heard from people. Has anyone I, ever done a column on quarterbacks as NBA players? <laughs> they have. Oh, sorry. Kev, I asked this question unironically. Your top three Vucevic moments as a Magic fan. Count yeah. it down from one to three. Uh, we beat the Lakers on a Vucevic mid-range shot about four years ago, and David Steele yelled pure magic at the buzzer. Um, that was a big one. Um, I would say that let me think here. The uh, Durant tweet isn't two? The Durant tweet might be two. Uh, both, I would say both, both of those playoff games um, that we won, the two over the past eight years, um, were real special moments for us. Um, I wasn't at either of those games. DJ Augustine obviously won the, the game in Toronto, but um, I would say that that's, that would be it. Um, Vooch was our, our primary late game scorer. Um, and so he had a couple of, a handful of clutch shots, but I would say, I would say beating the Lakers in regular season game was extremely important to me, uh, as was the Durant tweet. How about skills challenge? He lost yeah. to Sabonis in the finals, but still top, top 12 moment for Vooch. No? Yeah, I would say I um I once went to just a Starbucks on Summerlin um and with my aunt and uh, it was around Christmas time and I saw him so that might be number four. Um, it was good. He looked like a, like a nice guy. Can you give us the top three Aaron Gordon magic moments that did not involve the oh, slam wow. dunk contest? Oh my can't, god! Can't use the slam dunk oh, contest god. for the answer. Oh god! Um. Oh my god! This is this is a little harder. Um. I, 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 it really is. I mean, like the, the, the people's champ 
mantle uh, was, I think, extremely important. Uh, mm. I would say Terrence Ross's tweet an hour ago uh, in which he said, I'm the captain now and had the Captain uh, Phillips gif, <laughs> I think, is the top That's horrifying. One. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. He's going to get uh, traded. I would say, you know what it was? I would say all of them happened the year that he, for like November and December, was shooting like 45% from three. There was a run oh. there where I was like, Aaron Gordon is actually... Wait, this is happening. Shoot. Yeah. This yeah. is like, I, how, they, high, how high in the trade value rankings is it? This is absolutely happening. Um, it all The bills came due on that. But I would say that was that was a, a magic a magical moment for, for everybody. I would say, in general, this whole thing, and Bill, I know you have this, and Ryan, certainly you've had this. Do you ever watch a show for like 10 years? And I'm not even sure if you like it, but then at the end, you're like, I'm really going to miss those guys. Like Entourage was that for me, right? Where kind of limped <laughs> to the finish. I'm sitting there and I'm saying, I just, you know, I'm not even sure if I enjoyed the, the last three years of this. But at the end, I'm like, you know, I just, I, it was more good than bad is what I would say from an emotional that standpoint. That was like highly questionable for Rosillo. Um, I still DVR it. <laughs> Rosillo, your top Evan Fournier moment that you can remember um, just from afar. Well, this week, uh, he let his kid, if anybody understands cupping therapy, where they put these suction cups on your back to try to help with inflammation, and then it makes you look like a badass. That's why I think guys do it. I'm not even sure if it works. And you have all these bruises all over your back. And if you go mm. to the beach with that, it's like, hey, look out. That guy does cupping therapy. And Fournier let his kid do it to his forehead. So this whole week, he's had a huge, huge cupping bruise on his forehead, which I thought was going to hurt his trade value. But, you know, they got a couple <laughs> seconds good out of it. Night. Yeah, he was great. I mean, he had the game winner, essentially. Um, look, getting Fournier to add to your group, if you're Boston, that has a serious depth issue, it's a terrific trade. But it's also a reminder of something you and I have been talking about the entire time. Is like, yeah, I know that trade exception sounds awesome at $28.5 million, but you need to, again, temper your expectations. It's not used 75% of the time. The Celtics actually used a chunk of it. And by the way, if Fournier, because they have his bird rights, goes somewhere else, um, they can find a way to add another trade exception to it. So hip, we're going to we're going to talk about Boston in part two, but I will say this. Evan Fournier, who I think is a solid perimeter player, right, Kev? Solid, solid score. Absolutely. Yeah, he's probably not moves. the ninth. He's probably not the 19-point guy that he is with the Magic on a team that that functions. That actually but has I, players. He, yeah, yeah but, he's, but he's a decent he's a decent scorer. Sure. The the upgrade from the Javante Green, Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, all the dudes that Aaron Neesmith, all the dudes that are in the corner who the defense doesn't respect, doesn't think is going to do anything, to having Fournier, a guy that if you take out Brown or Tatum, you're bringing in somebody who can actually play basketball. It's weird, but I, I almost don't know if the Celtics need to do anything else. I thought that was the biggest hole on the team. Um, just the drop-off of taking Brown or Tatum. It was like taking out a starting quarterback and putting in, you know, Ryan Lindley. That, that's how bad it was. And it would cost them five to eight points a game, how bad those bench guys were. So I think just having a competent guy you know, he's French. We'll, we'll have to work on that. The Celtics have had a rough history with French players dating back to not drafting Tony Parker. Uh, what was that guy? Jerome Moiso. Remember? Yeah, Rizzo? but he I was, you wasn't had his he rookie from, cards. Yeah, I mean, he improved their athleticism immediately was the Patino quote. And, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's very lanky and athletic. Yeah. Isn't Moiso from like a French, a French Maybe he island wasn't though? Fr I remember we went to one game, my dad and I, watched him for three minutes and we were out. He was one of those. It was like, nope, not happening. <laughs> oh, no, he was born in France. He was born in France. Yeah. Um, 
All right, Kev. So the good news for you, there's five awesome guys in this draft, right? Yep. Rusella, this is a five and then a drop-off draft. That's what it is right now. Um, that's that's it's pretty clear. I mean, I I have a thing coming up on one of the pods where I was asking teams for their top five. And so far, every single team that's got back to me, it's the same five guys in different so, order. But there's no one that's leap, you know, jumped in from that outside of that group. The Orlando Tankathon, they're 15 mm-hmm. and 29. Minnesota mm-hmm. is 10 and 34. Houston and Detroit are both 12 and 31. Your team the rest of the way, you got Carter and Bamba, MCW, Otto Porter, you're probably buying out, Gary Harris, Okeke, who I kind of like. I, I think I like that was actually like a, a decent pick. Ken Birch, you're probably trading in the next half hour. Terrence Ross, ditto. Bacon. And, uh, and RJ Hampton, who's like 18 years old. I think, th- I think you will have a top three pick unless you have some of the worst lottery luck ever. The magic way would be to lock in a top three worst record, but end up with the six pick and a five-part mm-hmm. draft. Mm-hmm. That's your history. Maybe you break it this time. Maybe. I'm hoping so. By the way, I, I do want to say that the, I looked up the numbers. It was October 2017 for the month Aaron Gordon shot 59% for three over mm. five games. That was I, a, that didn't last. What a stretch that, that was. Last. What yeah, was your favorite Aaron Gordon hairdo? Did, did, you, did you settle on a favorite? I liked, he had a lot the, of different I liked looks. the cornrows. I liked the cornrows. I yeah. thought that, that looked good. It, I have it, a ton of respect for guys that are already back on the cornrow. Yeah. Um, it's it's cyclical. Um. So yeah. No. I I think that there. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm expecting a sixth pick and Jalen Johnson at this point. Um. I'm, that's just how I go into lotteries at this point. But I w- I would love at this point we just have so many holes. Just just start building. I I don't really. I I'm not gonna be discriminating on what what talent we get in in the off season. Rosillo, do you want to guess career playoff games Nikola Vucevic played for the Orlando Magic without looking it up? Uh, 16. Kev, tell him the answer. Uh, it's 10, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's... We won... Yeah, it's 10. Yeah. We won one game against each Toronto. each of the Bucks and Toronto. And then oh, we so got it. swept yeah. out. Yeah. It was extremely pleasant. 10 games in eight years. There you go. All right, Kev, we can hear you on the uh, Ringer NFL show. Mm-hmm. This is the end of part one of the massive trade deadline podcast. It is now 11.18. We're going to mail these files to Kyle and come back in about three minutes. Stay tuned for part two. It will be on the Bill Simmons feed. We're going to do a lot of parts today. Uh, We'll be back.